morning. It's been a while. I haven't been here in a few years. And um, I moved to San Francisco about five, six years ago. And uh, Terry and uh, Cheryl, uh, just uh, they're one of the first couples to really just welcome us and our family and maintained a friendship. And like he says, I pastor here in the city. I've got seven children, like most of us. Um, <laughs> my oldest is uh, 21, and my youngest is two. Okay, yes, and uh, so it's great to be here. Um, <laughs> now, I, I just, I have this crazy, amazing, just fun uh, life with all of these kids, and it's just been an amazing year. I don't know what the year's been like for you, but this has been like the best year of my life. Uh, not without its pain, there were times when, uh, man, I just felt like my heart was just ripped out of my chest, like you just go, oh what just happened where you're just crying like crazy. And then there's other times where it's just highs and lows. I mean, it's just life, right? Um, but it was an amazing, amazing year. In fact, last year around this time, there was this guy in my ministry, okay? He was one of our, our leaders and uh, a young guy, but I just loved hanging out with him because every time I talked to him, he would talk about his relationship with God. And it's, it's one thing when you meet a guy that knows a lot of things about God, but it's, it's quite different when you meet someone that like, you can just tell he knows him. Like he talks to him, he has a relationship with him. And, and when we would talk about the readings we do in the Bible, I, I'd go home and tell my wife like, man, I can't believe, you know, the things that this guy comes up with. It's like, like he's in the room with me and God in the mornings or something. And, and my wife is like, gosh, it's like you got a crush on this guy. I go, I do, he's incredible. And, and, and last year about this time, I came before the Lord. I said, God, I just... I don't, I almost feel weird praying this. I've never prayed anything like it. And I hope it's okay that I ask this, but I think it's biblical. I think it's okay. But God, could you have him fall in love with my daughter? <laughs> like, I've never prayed anything like that, right? That's just a, isn't that an awkward thing to pray? To just say, God, I want him in my family. Like, that's how much I like this guy. I've never prayed anything like this. They don't even know each other. And uh, then uh, last, last, last July, in July, I just, you know those days where you just feel a little distant from God? And so I just said, God, I've never prayed this before, but could you just show me some love today? Like, I just need to know I'm loved by you. I don't know. I, I rarely feel this strange insecurity like I do today. Could you just... And I don't even know how it's going to look. I just want to know that you hear me. And about an hour or two later, that kid, Justin, comes up to me and says, hey, can I go out with your daughter? <laughs> and uh, so I just hug him and cry. You know, it's just like, yes, I love you. Please, please, I'll pay for it. You know, it's just, <laughs> I mean, I was just in shock. Like, it's like, what I just Wait, this God, this is insane. And they went out for the first time in July, and they got married in December. <laughs> okay. 
that's impossible. Like this is just just crazy, craziness. Every and but the thing is, is is while man, it's such a blessing. Like every time I see him, I'm just like, man, this is unreal. But as great as that is to have him as a son-in-law, the greater thing, and I really mean this, the greater blessing is just the fact that God Almighty listens to me. You know that security where you just go, this happens time and time and time again. I talk to him. Like the one who's giving us all breath right now. You're breathing because there's a being up there that decided, I'm going to let you live for another breath. I'm going to give you another one. I read a few weeks ago that if you live to be 80, your heart will beat 3 billion times. What are the odds of something working 3 billion times? It's like, God, you're in charge of every heartbeat, every breath. You made this world, and I talk to you, and I know you. And the Bible says that he's a God who dwells in unapproachable light. He dwells in unapproachable light to where, where, where when uh, Moses said, God, can I just see you? Can I see your face? God says, no, no one can see my face and live. Think about that. No human being can see my face and live. You've got this being where the high angels are even covering themselves up, screaming out his holiness, and he's in charge of everything. And I speak to him. Like, I know him. And Ephesians 5 says it's a profound mystery. He goes, I'm talking about Christ and the church and how somehow we are members of his body. So this God who dwells in unapproachable light, the Bible says for those of us who know him, that, that we're like members of his body, like my finger is a member of my body. And somehow he says, I become a part, a member of the body of Christ. And he says it's a profound, profound mystery. And sometimes I feel like in, in church, we kind of just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know God. Like, it's no big deal. It's like, no, I'm a member of his body. This is insane. I speak to him, and he calls me his son. Like, I know him. And as I, as I pray for services today, and the people that show up, my prayer has been, God, I want people to know you. Like, I, I'm just guessing that there are some of you that you know a lot of things about God. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a big difference between knowing about a person and actually knowing him. You can read a bio about me or something, but you don't know. There's no relationship. And I just feel like a lot of times when I talk to people that, that attend services, they can tell me these things about God, but it's like, gosh, do you know him, though? I mean, there are times when I'm with the Lord and I'm serious. It's so real. It's not just I close my eyes and just say a bunch of words. It's like he's more real to me than you are. Like, like, I, I, like this morning, I just get alone I'm in this little room with him. And it's just me and God. It's about this relationship. And it's really when you know, not just know about, but know him, that you can have this, this peace that we've been talking about. Because when you realize, wait, I know the God of the universe, and my eternity is set, I don't have to fear death, I don't have to fear anything that happens today. 
That's where the peace comes from. And that's what I'm hoping for. And, 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 and uh, this topic is so, so big, because I believe it's at the crux of so much of it. This idea of what happens when life gets difficult, when the suffering comes, when the trials come, is that when God becomes more real to you and you have even more peace amidst the trials? Or is that the time when you just go nuts? And I, I've been in ministry for over 30 years and I've watched so many people that when life got difficult, when something unexpected happened, this tragedy, that's when they would walk away from God and go, it didn't work for me. I, I went to worship God and this happens? And, and I understand it. I understand how pain does things to us. But on the other hand, I don't quite understand that because it's not like this book promises a pain-free life. I get it. If this book says, hey, Jesus, follow me and you'll have no more pain here on this earth, then great. The moment pain comes, he's wrong. He's a liar. But that's not what he taught. He says, in this world, you will have pain. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And, and Peter, Peter in 1 John 4 says, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's like, don't be shocked when it happens. Don't be surprised when the fiery trial happens to you. And he wrote that in a time when Emperor Nero was literally pouring fuel on Christians and lighting them on fire. And Peter's saying, don't be surprised at the fiery trial as though that's something strange. I mean, Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. In fact, he warned people. He goes, are you sure you want to follow me? When crowds would show up. He goes, are you sure you want to follow me? When people came to Jesus and said, can we follow you? They even asked specifically, can we follow you? And Jesus' response was, well, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says, you sure you want to follow me? Because at least birds have a nest to stay in. I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. And he tells people, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. <laughs> he didn't say, yeah, follow me. Things are going to be great. This is going to be a blast. You know, go out on boat rides. and <laughs> No, he goes, okay, look. This is what it means to follow me. It's going to be tough. And there's a passage in Scripture that has helped me through some of the most difficult times in life. But to be honest, I've only been able to obey this passage recently because um, I believe it's, it's maybe the most difficult verse in the Bible to obey. Maybe, I don't know, just in my humble opinion. It says this, James 1, verse 2. Listen to this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What's he saying? 
This, this, this phrase, meet trials, is the idea to actually be surrounded by them. It, it was a picture of someone that's about to get jumped by a group of people. So a group of people surround you, they're about to pounce on you. He, he says, yeah, now you've got various trials. You've got health issues, you've got relationship issues, you've got job issues. You've got all these things going on. They're surrounding you. He goes, when that happens, count it all joy. Isn't that what you normally do? It's like, yes, look at all these problems. This is awesome. It, no. That's why I'm saying, like, what are you talking about? Most of us count it all joy when there are no problems. Well, I, I don't see a single problem inside. Life is good. But what is changing? He's writing this to people who are dispersed, too. People who are struggling. And he says, count it all joy when you're surrounded by these trials. Like, how do you do that? Why would we consider this joy, he says in the next verse? For, because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, why, why can we find joy in the midst of trials? He says, here's a reason. He goes, because... It's the trials. It's the testing of your faith that produces steadfastness. He goes, and, and, and let steadfastness kind of run its course so you can be mature, complete. Now, he goes, there's something about the trials that change us. So usually when we go through trials, we say, God, take away the trials. Take away the pain. Change the situation. And what the Bible is saying, no, when the trials come, really we should be praying, not change the situation, change me. Because there's something about those trials that they strengthen us. He says, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's the way you become strong. You don't become strong from an easy life. In fact, this phrase, testing, the testing of your faith, it's a, it's a term they would use for silversmiths. You know, when a silversmith would put a bunch of uh, silver in a pot, he would, he would boil that silver, or get it as hot as he can with this flame. And the idea, that was called testing the silver. What happens is all the impurities would rise to the surface. And then he would just take a, you know, some sort of scooping thing and, and take the dross or those impurities off, and he'd fire it up again. And next time, fewer impurities. Some came up, and they would take it out, and, and they'd fire it up again. He would do this over and over. This was called testing the silver. The idea was to make it pure. And the way that a silversmith could tell that the, that the silver was pure was he could look down in the pot, and he could see his own reflection clearly. You see what God is saying? See, when we are put through the fire, when we go through this type of testing, when you go through a hard time, isn't it crazy how sometimes these feelings, these emotions, these impurities rise to the surface where you go, man, I didn't know I could get so angry. I didn't know I had so much hatred in my heart. I, I didn't know that I had so much doubt. I didn't know that I could be so close to just walking away from him and saying, oh, if you're going to do this to me, watch what I do. I'm done following you. And these doubts and everything, just all of these thoughts and feelings kind of rise to the surface. In the middle of those trials, 
And what God's saying, no, 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 let me purify you of those things. This is part of your testing. Let, let me wipe that away. And every time those trials come, there's something about that process that, that, that is, if we would cling just closer to him, that he purifies us of those things, purifies us. And you see the hope, the goal is that one day God would look down and see his own reflection. He would, Jesus would look and go, wow, that's the way I lived. That's the way I lived. See, he says, it's the trials, it's the testing of your faith that produces that type of steadfastness. And then he says, and let steadfastness have its perfect, its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. That you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. See, the goal, God wants us to be mature. Did you know that? God wants us to become like Jesus. Jesus is not just our savior. He's our role model. The, the goal of our lives is, God, I want to become more like Jesus. He's beautiful. He's amazing. And God says it's through the trials. And when the trials will make you strong and let steadfastness have its perfect result so that you can be mature and complete. It's, it's about the end result at the end of your life. What type of person are you going to be at the end? That's what God's concerned about. That we're all in this process of purification, of becoming more like him, of testing. It's kind of like when you bake a cake. You know, when you bake a cake, think about all the ingredients that go into it. I don't even know all the ingredients that go into cake. But uh, eggs, salt, uh, uh, flour, uh, Betty Crocker, uh, you know, all that stuff. You throw it all in. Now, have you ever tasted these ingredients? Seriously, how many have eaten a raw egg? Yeah? <laughs> Is it any good? Yeah. Is it after you watch Rocky and you're like, <laughs> back in the day, huh? Yeah. I mean, now it's like it's not good for you or something. But anyways, <laughs> it, it's, it's like... Ah, just try to imagine right now, just cracking the egg and just swirling it around your mouth. You know, and then grabbing, you know, some uh, flour, throwing it in there, oh, man, this is good. You know, you start looking at all these ingredients, but when you're making a cake, you don't think about each, you just, you just mix it all together, you throw it in the oven, and then out comes this result. It results in something that's mature and complete and has all the ingredients in it. See, that's what the Bible is saying about God wanting us at the end of our lives in this oven that at the end, man, I'm a different person and I am more like Christ. It's about the end result. Man, and there are ingredients in life where you go, God, why this, why this, why this? And he's like, I got to put it in. I got to put it in. It's all of this process. It's testing you. It's strengthening you. It's making you in this type of person. Man, I, I look at my life, and I look back now and go, God, I get it. See, I, I was born here in San Francisco. I was born in Chinatown, at the hospital in Chinatown. And, um, but when I was born, when I, my mom was delivering me, she, uh, she actually died in the midst of it. And um, she died giving birth to me. And... 
I guess you don't really know, you know, because you're a baby, so you don't quite get it. But my dad ends up remarrying. Um, so I've got a family, you know, by the time I'm like four, five years old. And, uh, but then when I was seven, my stepmother was uh, driving over that bridge in Antioch and somehow went off the side of it and, and died. And, uh, and that was crazy. As like a seven, eight year old kid to watch your mom being buried. And then my dad got married again and then when I was 12, my dad died of cancer. And watching it and then being at the funeral, I'm just telling you, as a kid, it's, it just messes with your mind, you know? But I look back now, I go, God, I remember those times where I'm in middle school and I'm starting to think like, I was just with him and now he's gone. Like, where is he? What, what happened? And I, and I had to know. I started searching for answers. And, and, and that's really the period in my time during those teenage years that I really came to believe in God and to know him. And I look back, I go, God, thank you. Because I can't imagine, like nothing matters to me compared to knowing him. And, and I thank you for the way that that changed me. It got me thinking about eternal things. And I don't just, see, I don't go to bed every night going, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'll do this. I don't know if tomorrow's going to come. And I try to make the most of every day. You know, yesterday even just being with some of my kids, you know, and, and being at the park and just looking at them and smiling and enjoying them, putting them to bed, hugging, kissing, not knowing. I don't know. I don't know if today's going to happen. And I go, God, thank you so much. Those were the times where you and I drew so close. And I know as I talk about pain, it's probably opening up all sorts of memories. I mean, as I was praying for you this morning, I was thinking, God, I, I can't imagine how much pain is in this room. The things that have been done to some of you that you'd rather forget and the pain that some of you have had to endure, if we threw it all into a pot right here and just start listening, I mean, it'd be insane. And, and yet the Bible says, wait, count it all joy? See, I'll just tell you right now, this passage will make no sense unless you are obsessed with Jesus. Because you, you'll go, okay, well, that's great. It, it makes me mature and complete, but I don't really want to be mature and complete. I don't really care to become like Jesus. I just want to be happy. I actually want my life to be easy. See, maybe some of you were even you know, saying, well, I want some God in my life because that'll help life's journey and make things better, make things easier. I heard that if I follow him, that, that actually you know, he'll heal me of any sickness and he'll, he'll give me the wealth that I wanted and everything. It's like, where do you get that? No, he says, if you follow me, you'll get me. And I'm better than all the wealth. I'm better than health. I'm better than an easy life. And you can actually become like me. 
And I'm telling you, there's everything else passes, you guys, everything else. Man, it comes and goes, but this is eternal, like knowing him. That's why I'm saying, gosh, the, the, the biblical authors, they, they spoke with God, like spoke about God like he was this addiction to them. Like I'm in a dry and weary land where there's no water and I thirst for him. Like I want him. Paul says, for me, just to live is Christ. I just have to have... You know, I work with a lot of addicts, and I'm sure there's some of you, you know, many of you that have been there where addiction doesn't make sense. It's like you could be starving, but all you're thinking about is the drug. That's the way they talk about Jesus in this book. He goes, I could be in a desert like, oh, I'm going to die of thirst, and yet I'm thirsting for you. It's the craziest thing. I mean, for me to live is Christ. It is insane to think I can know the Creator. And that's why this is, Paul, James says, when, when you get this, you can consider it all joy. Because you're going, I'm actually becoming more like Jesus. This is who I want. I'm actually getting closer to him through this. But if you worship comfort, then this isn't going to make any sense. Actually, none of this book will make sense. Put it this way. Let's say Jesus walked through the doors in the flesh right now into this room. God Almighty, who's in control of everything. And he, he were to say to you right now, this is a good test for you to just see what do you love. He says, okay, I'm going to give you everyone here today, you get an option. I'm not going to let you direct the rest of this year, 2017. Okay, for the rest of 2017, you could have option number one. Just push a button. You want option one. Option one is for the rest of 2017. The next seven months, nothing will go wrong. You're not going to get sick. If you are sick, you'll be healed. None of your friends will get sick. Your relationships will be good for the rest of the year. Your job will be great. You'll get a raise. They might even say, eh, just work half time from home. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, whoa, 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 everything. No pain whatsoever for the rest of the year. 2017. He goes, now at the end of the year, though, Jesus says, you and I won't be any closer. You won't know me more than you know me now. And you won't be any more like me. But, man, it'll be a fun year. Or you can choose option two. I'm going to put some trials in your life. It's going to be a tough year. And during that time, when you're hitting bottom, you're going to reach out to me, and we're going to be so close. You and I, we're going to get through this together. You're going to be... You're, you're, you're going to... You're going to become so much more like me at the end of You're going to have this strength about you. You're going to have this maturity about you. And we're going to have this intimacy. And you're going to know me. Not just know stuff about me, but you're going to know me more. You're going to be mature, complete. We're going to be closer at the end of the year. Which would you pick? Think about it. Like, how badly do you want this? Like, knowing him, becoming like him. 
And I'm sure some of you are in trials right now. Some of you can't believe that I'm talking about this today because of some of the things that happened this week. And you're going, man, I kind of get this in my head. But And, and others of you are going, man, oh, no, this makes sense. I can see that. I'm looking at it grammatically. That is what the scriptures say. But I'll tell you what happens when the pain comes, when the trial comes. A lot of this goes out the window, doesn't it? Because pain just does weird things to you. That's why in the very next verse, in verse 5, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. He goes, okay, but, but if within this, if you lack wisdom... Like some of you guys are going, man, I don't, ha- I, I don't know. I don't know that I could ever pick option two. I don't necessarily see Jesus as that worth it. I'm not that concerned about maturity, you know, or, or maybe just in the midst of the pain, you're going, God, just change everything. He says, ask for wisdom. Ask for wisdom. It's in the context of these trials. Say, God, give me the wisdom to understand how this is a good thing. Give me the wisdom so that I can somehow rejoice through this. Okay? I mean, this, this takes an act of God where you're going through a trial and you can actually have joy amidst it. That, that you're in the middle of a bunch of trials and you go, okay, I'm so full of joy right now. He says, if you don't have that, ask for it. Uh, and, and again, just honestly, I went years understanding this passage intellectually, but never being able to pull it off. And lately, God's been giving me the wisdom, even through the most painful times while I'm in the middle of it. Like I said, there were times this year, man, when my heart just felt like, you know that those times, it's like you're gasping for air because you're just like, what just happened? What just happened just now? What did this really just happen? I don't even know how to process this. And it's just like, God, help me, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And somehow through it, even through betrayal recently, I'm just going, God, I'm actually thankful. Like you opened my eyes. You gave me wisdom because here I am saying that I want to become like Jesus, but I don't want any Judases in my life. And God's opening my eyes. You you want to become like me and you don't want anyone to betray you. You don't want rejection. It's like, oh, no, no. You know what, God? It's good. It's good. It's good. Actually, this is good. I see it. I see it. This is going to make me more like you. This is going to make me stronger. I want to be mature. I want to be complete. I want to be like Jesus at the end of my life. Man, none of us enjoys pain, you know, but it's the result. Just like we don't enjoy like working out. We enjoy the result. It's like, man, it feels great on the other side of it. And somehow to see that we need wisdom. And he says, when you ask for that wisdom, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Is when you pray, you've got to have this confidence. No doubt. No doubt. He says, if you doubt, you won't receive anything but just this assurance, like, you know what, God? I know you're there. I know you're there. And somehow your word says you work all these things together 
for the good of those who love him, who are called according to your purpose. And I know according to your words, somehow I can find joy through this. And this will make me closer to you, more like you. And so God, give me this joy. I can have it. I can, I can have it. I can have this wisdom. Give me wisdom right now, Lord. Pray. Ask for that. You know, we're just going to jump to verse 12 because we're running out of time. He closes this section by saying this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. So important. You guys, okay, James 1 has been like a staple in my life. I try to just read the verses so that you can go back at any time and read through those verses yourself because they're not that hard to understand. But this is an interesting sentence at the end. He goes, blessed is the person who remains steadfast under trial. Okay, not the person that says, okay, I'm done. I'm, you know, we're, no, you actually suffer through it. It's, 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 it's to bear up under. It's, it's like having that weight. You ever see those guys that deadlift, you know, and they're holding this weight in there. They're just staying under. That's that word. Blessed is the man who stays steadfast under trial because when he has been tested, for when he has stood the test, there's that, that test thing again. Remember the silversmith? He will receive the crown, the reward of life, the crown which is life itself, eternal life, which God has promised to those who love him. Man, don't miss what he does there in that sentence. He says, blessed is the person who perseveres under the trial because that person, God gives the crown of life. He gives a crown of life. He doesn't say to the person who perseveres the trial. He goes, but to the person who loves him. You see, he's equating the person who loves him with the person who stands under trial. Oh, it's, it's easy to love someone when they give you everything you want. But what about the trials when they come? I was reading the book of Job this morning and yesterday. And, and remember that story where, where Satan comes before God? I mean, it's a strange story. And, and God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? And what does Satan say? Job, what a joke. He loves you because you give him everything. Take it away and we'll see. We'll see what he does. And God says, all right, let's test him. Takes everything away from Job. And what does Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. That's where we sing that song. He gives, he takes away. Blessed be. See, I hate to do this to you, but, you know, sometimes we hear a message and then the very thing you heard about happens. Okay, I'm not saying I'm jinxing your life or anything like that. But what I'm saying is it, it wouldn't be unusual, the timing of this, that God had you hear this, because there's some tough times ahead. And he's saying, you know what? Show your love through it. Show that you believe in me, that you really do want me, that you can't wait to be with me, that you can't wait till that day when I'm with you and I take away all pain and I give you the crown of life because you stood through it all, because you love me. 
when you're in option two and you didn't even choose it for yourself, to be able to say, you know what, God? Okay, here we go. I'm going to grow close to you. I mean, I want to pray for you. We're, we're still going to take an offering and, and there's another song, but I, I don't want to get off the stage without praying for you because I, I literally believe in this time. I've, I don't want to pray and doubt. I really believe things would be different if I just walked off the stage right now than if I right now got on my knees before him and prayed for you that during the trials that you'd be able to stand up under it and that you'd even be wise enough to find joy in it because you care that much about your personal holiness and you care that much about knowing him. So let me pray for you. Father, I want, I want these people to know you, like really know you, and I just want to know you more. God, we say so many things in church that a lot of times they just get old and we don't really mean it, God. God, help us from our hearts to just desire you and desire Christ's likeness. God, I just confess so many days, I just want it to be easy. God, we see what your word says, and we know that Christ is such a great treasure. We just all hate the pain. We hate the brokenness of this world. But Lord, when those times come, may we find joy in it, knowing that we'll be stronger, more like you and closer to you. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, whatever they're going through right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, do the miracle of giving them wisdom to actually find joy in the middle of the trials. In Jesus' name I pray.